On today's episode, we have with us Poseidon Dow, a very well-known organization that collects NFTs. They have collected over 3,000 NFTs from 300 artists. Their motto is to collect NFTs so that they pass on the legacy and to see 21st century as the crypto art century. So it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Stay tuned till the end for all the alphas you will receive. Uh, on this show, we'll try to cover things that you won't easily find on Google and ChatGPT. So if there's any technical terms that you uh, stick stuck up with, just you can pause and check it out and come back uh, and enjoy the show. So welcome to another week of Rock Class Radio. Uh, this is a show where we uh, bring in a conversation that expand your mind and make you feel well informed and also have uh, topics and burning issues uh, that we talk about. This show has been going on for 42 episodes. Uh, thank you for watching all episodes. If you want to support the show, we'll be putting out uh, Rock Class Club NFTs uh, very soon. So stay tuned for that. I am also an NFT artist. So if you want an amazing artwork, you can go and uh, check those out. All the links for Poseidon DAO and all the other links that we discuss are, will be mentioned in the description, so you can go and check it out. Uh, with that said, uh, we have with us Patrick from the Poseidon DAO. Patrick, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. All fine. What about you? Amazing. So first. Uh, could you please tell us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, yeah of course. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I will start clarifying. I'm Patrick. I'm the, the coordinator of Poseidon DAO. That means that I'm the one in charge of, you know, leading the, the operations and uh, let's say the vision of, of the DAO and where what we want to achieve. Uh, about Poseidon DAO, the, uh, the project started, uh, let's say, officially uh, as a DAO last year, um, officially it means that it started branding as a DAO, although we are going probably to dig into this later. We are not really a DAO yet. But uh, the truth is that Poseidon started collecting NFTs since uh, 2015, something like that, when NFTs were just name collectibles uh, deployed on the Bitcoin blockchain, you know, the first card games like Spell of the Genesis, Force of Will, and these kind of things. And basically, we, we followed the development of the NFT space um, up to today, at some point focusing primarily on one-on-one -on -one artworks uh, and uh, starting collecting multiple artists, as you mentioned. And that's what we want to achieve now is to make, you know, the crypto art, let's say the, the artistic movement of the century. That's our goal. That is amazing and so pumping for uh, all the artists and listeners here and even collectors. So, uh, first question that we don't even see on your white paper, how did the name Poseidon come to be? <laughs> ah, yeah, good question. Uh, this is actually uh, pretty, I would say, pretty old. Uh, actually, it's not related to the DAO itself. Poseidon is the name of the you know, the holding group that is based in Switzerland that includes a number of companies, actually. Um, our founder is a, still is a trader, actually, that started uh, uh, working in the crypto space, collecting uh, and 
accumulating uh, cryptos since the beginning, basically. I, I think he joined the crypto space like in 2011, so really, really soon. Uh, and based on that, you know, he managed to surface the, uh, the wave of the Ethereum ICOs and all the developments in the crypto space in order to build uh, the Poseidon group. And uh, I'm not sure um, exactly why he picked up Poseidon. Um, so I, I, I don't know exactly why the, the holding was named like this um, initially, but I guess it's because uh, it references on, on, on some of the projects that he invested in initially. Okay, so I believe Poseidon is a Greek uh, god, the god yeah. of the sea, with who has, yeah, exactly. a, who has a trident. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, I think that was what pick it up. Like the, uh, the trident is the symbol and uh, where it started from. Mm-hmm. So you started by collecting all kind of NFTs from 2016. What made you come and focus on art and one-of-one NFTs? Yeah, well, uh, the the really important aspect is that we identified, you know, NFTs as this killer app for the mainstream adoption really soon. It was pretty clear because it started like playing card games. It was pretty facing to the general public. Um, and then we, we followed the evolution of the landscape. Uh, that's when we started looking deeply into the collectibles, you know, PFPs. Uh, we collected the big PFPs. And, but at some point, what we saw is that, you know, for the long term, again, let me uh, repeat that the, the approach in Poseidon starts from the trader uh, that is the founder. So obviously uh, the way the collection is built is always looking for the, the long term and uh, as a, an investment opportunity. But basically what we saw is that what was really shaping the uh, the NFT landscape uh, were first the, uh, let's say, the vintage, the historical NFTs. Uh, so we, we still think that some of them will be invaluable in the long term, uh, but also the crypto art, because basically the in order for the artist to be named crypto artist, it took a lot of effort to some pioneers in the beginning to, you know, uh, involve more and more artists and make the crypto art a uh, uh, credible movement. Uh, although maybe today someone uh, in the traditional art might be might still have a different opinion. But yet uh, the fact that NFTs uh, as a form of art is actually uh, widespread in the world is because of these pioneers, and we supported them from the beginning. Uh, and we saw how how they shaped you know the evolution of the space. Uh, we can think of multiple names. Probably the one that is more like known uh, is a uh, um, uh, X copy. I, I would say it, it might be one of those that represents the, the evolution of the crypto art the best because we don't, you know, the anonymity, the way uh, the art itself, and a number of, of reasons. And we we always look for a way to shape the this movement. And uh, yeah, of course, NFTs are a huge tool on the marketing standpoint and they you know the um the tokenomic and the mechanism you can build on top of them make them really powerful tools so to clarify i'm not saying nfts are only related to art not at all it's a really powerful tool on a number of aspects but the art uh really attracted us because you know 
NFT is made likely, we, we can say similarly to what Bitcoin did for um, the financial, you know, you find a way to remove the intermediaries that put fees on top of you um, and actually uh, make the whole system much more inefficient. NFTs managed to be such a solution for artists. Multiple artists that became known thanks to NFTs had hard time finding their place in traditional art. So that was really interesting on us, also on the, let's say, romantic standpoint, and also because, yeah, as I mentioned, the long term, uh, art is one of those assets that is really hard to uh, reduce in value over time, you know. So we really think uh, it will be, NFT will really revolutionize uh, the art world in the, in the long term. That's a good point. Uh, it uh, Comparing to NFTs, the collectibles and the art, the values have stayed stayed more or same the stable not not as volatile as those uh, PFP or collectible projects. So um, yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. You know, actually, this is there are a number of uh, details we can discuss about that. It really depends on on, on the artist. You know, there are differences uh, because the what we can name the floor price is not just about uh, speculation, holding a collection and seeing the price going through with a high supply um, of, of assets. With the crypto art, you have a, an artist with a limited supply, usually with a limited number of collectors. So the incentives to sell are really different than the PFPs. And on top of that, you have artists with a huge background and experience in the NFT space, artists that in particular in times like this, you know, when the market is down and it's not, it's really hard to um, find liquidity for uh, for art in particular in a space like the uh, crypto art. Still, these artists can focus on their, on their physical activities. They can still build and like reinforce uh, their brand, you know, uh, and this has an effect also on the NFT as an asset because it provides consistency, stability on, on the long term. And this is actually what an investor would love to see, you know. Amazing. We will talk more on the curation part and uh, this very soon. Uh, but before that, DAO, as we know, is a decentralized autonomous organization, which basically means there's no central control. Uh, the control is decentralized. All the members get to vote and get to decide on what the DAO should be doing in future, the curation part, the collection part, or all the other plans they need to do in the future. So if there's a trader who's been there since in this space since 2011, uh, why did he feel the need of um, he, creating a DAO? Because he could have just kept on collecting and he already has. Like you, before go, having your full operations, you, all these NFTs are before you have going in your full-fledged operations. So why was the need to create a DAO to collect these instead of just a um, closed group or um, consortium? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, to be honest. Uh, you know, the there are multiple uh, factors that you have to take into account when you build such a big collection. The first one is that you interact with uh, a huge amount of artists and you have to keep up on these relationships. Uh, you, you know, 
if you want to be a good collector, you should really be in touch with artists, be, be supportive, or also uh, provide the proper advices when, when required. Um, that's the third point. The second part is that the, the NFT space uh, grew a lot, and the we could definitely see and felt the the change in the landscape where it, it was much more difficult to uh, select, pick up, evaluate, you know, artists and new artworks. Uh, of course, our elite curator, uh, Ivan Coroni, helped out a lot. Uh, he, he really became a central point in all our, let's say, curation uh, processing. But still, uh, it's getting harder and harder. And as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, there was this huge uh, movement of artists involving more artists and the truth is that and what we also experienced ourselves is that when artists come up with uh, advices or suggestions about other great artists they 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 made it they nailed it really really often um so the point is that we 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 started suffering all the management and we felt that a DAO would have been the perfect model that will have allowed us, allowed us to scale um, our, our management, including our collection, you know, um, would have allowed us to improve our collection, um, allowing us and helping us to identify not just the artistic value, but also what I mentioned, what would shape the, the future of the crypto art. So I, I would expect that our collection should include some pieces we didn't buy, but are actually representative and you know some artists that should be collected because because of what they represent. Um, of course, a group uh, of artists would definitely be able to help, help us out with that. So that was the main reason. The you know, as you mentioned, the DAO is an organization, so you cannot just expect people to uh, join, participate, and support and help you out. You have to come up with incentive mechanisms that uh, allow people to, to be recognized and uh, have a comeback from the contribution they, they do to such a, a system. Uh, so that's why the DAO is the perfect place because it, it creates incentives, a voting mechanism uh, all around uh, a system that can be profitable, you know. And this is actually what, what we want for the long term because we, we have a team, uh, we, we have people working, uh, because you cannot scale such a, a collection and all the activities we we do um, just on your own. That's a very interesting point because the space moves so fast and art is subjective and we just keep on flowing, evolving and progressing. So it's always better to have a group uh, opinion or uh, divide the decision to curate because so many options might uh, overwhelm uh, one or two people in the center to decide this. So I really appreciate that uh, way of thinking for uh, make, being the taste makers for collectors or the times to come in the, in this 21st yep. century as you aim to. Uh, very interesting. So talking about curation, what has been your process until now and what, what is it going to be uh, in the future? Yeah, so... So far, I would I would define our curation process kind of chaotic. You know, uh, as I mentioned already, our curator helped out there because he was the main point of contact for evaluating and understanding if uh, some 
um, some some pieces were valuable because you know we were not art experts uh, and you you really have to build a culture in order to be able to understand art trends and why some artworks are actually valuable you know you can really see the value around an artist based uh, on the, the decisions uh, and it does and you can clearly understand when an artist is aware of the uh, history of art and the decisions uh, it does uh, he or she does are based on an artistic background he mastered and understood how to evolve that so that that's really really important um, so that where our lead curator helped out a lot and he participates in the process actively so he's the one pushing and suggesting artworks you know uh, we have uh, uh, we manage these discussions across different platforms including some telegram groups um, and that's actually how the process evolved and how we started changing the way we manage the, the acquisitions. Um, something to point out uh, that uh, I didn't mention, but it's not uh, trivial, is that we never sold a single one-on-one piece. Uh, so if you might wonder how we manage that, we, we don't because we never had <laughs> had to. But, uh, uh, you know, in the future, it might change with the DAO. So I expect the, the DAO to change the way the, the collection is managed. I expect this group of people to be involved uh, and to be able to propose some changes to the collection, might uh, be able to both propose acquisitions, so some piece of art, art that uh, we should include in our collection, but also uh, whether some artwork should be sold for a number of reasons. And, you know, this is where like a third party entity can take such, such decisions. I, I think this would be the the killer feature of DAOs, you know, having these entities able to uh, vote and take decisions on, on such things uh, is really important because we have already experienced in past, you know, many um, critics and many complaints from the community for some choices we, we did uh, for what we bought. So you can guess what would happen when you when you sell. Uh, we never did. So we luckily we never experienced that yet, but that, that will happen. So I, I expect this to change and we will really focus on improving the collection. I was going to ask that question. You have never sold any uh, piece. How do you uh, plan to stay profitable or um, where does the business, where will the business keep coming from? Because I'm sure even the founders are not like a bottomless well of uh, fund flows that keeps coming in to collect artwork. So what, yeah. is, what is your plan for that? Yeah, and in particular because, you know, when, when you're really exposed to the crypto market, the crypto art uh, suffers it, but, you know, also uh, investors uh, can, can see uh, uh, networks to, to, to fly uh, really, really fast. So, uh, yeah, definitely you have to come up with a, with a business model. The point is that we... We think there are multiple ways we can make uh, such a system, such a DAO profitable. The first one is what we already discussed. So uh, since you start to um, dig deep into your collection and evaluate what to buy and what to sell, you can actually create liquidity from there and that you can reinvest in your artworks. That's, of course, part of the deal. Um, the second point is that every DAO, of course, is based on a token used for um, governance uh, 
So actually the token is one of the means that can allow you to bring value to a DAO because you have a treasury. Um, and if you do things right, this token can, can have a value. So this treasury can be used for investing and, and to develop your, your ecosystem. But beside that, uh, this is not enough. You have to offer services. Uh, first, what you can expect is that the, um, the DAO as an entity has a value because as I mentioned, if you're able to bring together high skilled people to vote and have opinions on stuff, this is something you can some way monetize. You know, for instance, you can build tools for, for investor to decide uh, what to invest in, or you can also build the tools for that. So a couple of examples are, first you can build the uh, B provider. So offering the services like indexes for investing in some um, assets. You know, as I mentioned, crypto art is like a low supply asset. So usually it's really hard for people to participate. So if you want to buy uh, a piece from Xcopy, that might be really difficult to you. Uh, but what you can do is actually to create some financial asset that could provide you access to a small piece of, of Xcopy that is driven by uh, how his reputation and his art is, is performing, let's say, uh, let's name it this way. So that's one of the way you can become a provider and we really want to do it. The second part is that uh, you can build uh, services for uh, for other people. Like for instance, today we are actually missing the tools like dashboards and web pages that can provide you an analytical approach to the to the art. And this is kind of difficult because you know art is historically not a financial field. You know, you, it's really hard to move the art into to make art more rational, you know, that, that's not trivial. Uh, but actually with uh, cryptocurrencies, you can do that because you have everything stored in a single ledger that can be tracked, the information can be collected, can be computed, you know, ingested, and you can extract important pieces of information from that. And, and that's um, something we definitely want to look into, how you can uh, define and trace trends that can be helpful for new investors to invest in crypto art. Uh, so these are the things that we think in the long term could make the business profitable first and also bring more value to the crypto space. Talking about long term, how long term are you thinking of? Yeah, I mean, when, when speaking in terms of long term investment, the, really the minimum time window you can pick up is 10 years. Uh, really like the minimum one. I think we are more uh, aligned on the like 20 years time window where we expect the, the ecosystem to develop to a point where, as I mentioned, the historical, the vintage NFTs can be really valuable because they represent the history of, the mo of, of a movement, you know, that can change uh, multiple aspects of the, of the world from the traditional art, as I mentioned, but as I also mentioned, NFTs are not only limited to crypto art. Uh, it's a tool that, as we now see, uh, is employed from big brands for their campaigns. You know, uh, we've seen Starbucks and other big brands employing NFTs as a valuable mean for that. So I, I will say at least 20 years is the right time window to, to look into to have a uh, you know, proper comeback on, on what you build. Now this was from the investor's point, right?
Uh, yeah. All right. And from the DAO's point of view, for the founders, uh, do you think it's going to be an ongoing concern uh, for hundreds of years? And uh, but if if we think on those lines, the mission might change, right? Because people will decide what the DAO should do next. So, what do you think about yeah. that? Yeah, indeed. I mean, the, first of all, as you mentioned, it it will be about the community. Um, not 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 just that. I think that what we uh, and, and something we are super careful about is what will happen in terms of regulation. You know, uh, it already started. On some extent, we already see multiple DAOs being kind of attacked, or uh, not just from regulators, but from people that bring these DAOs into. Uh, a number of processes. So uh, what is really interesting to, to understand is how will the um, the world evolve and face DAOs because they are introducing a really, really new concept when you are kind of distributing responsibility on a business model and people making money out of a, out of a business. It becomes really hard for the regulator to keep track of it, you know, uh, it's not trivial. So what we, the way we approached it, because we have already seen some of these legal actions take place, is to be careful. Uh, so uh, that's why our uh, white paper is currently in draft because we we are really into discussion with uh, our legals and uh, we want to make sure you know what we do is not going to lead not just ourselves but our community into troubles because the problem with DAO is that now regulators are going to pick up DAO members, and this is super risky. So you have to be careful with that. So if I have to be honest, my main concern is about the regulatory aspect more than a group of people that want to do something important in the long term. Um, but uh, yeah, of course, that, that's part of the deal. You have to keep a strong vision to uh, keep people together on, on such a thing. But yeah, there are. this is not the only, the only track. Talking about governance, uh, what what is the plan for the governance of this DAO? Within this year and in the long term. So, sorry, can, can you repeat the, the question? What is the structure of governance in this? Oh, DAO? governance. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the. Um, As I already mentioned, the DAO didn't start yet, practically, because there is still not a token. So the point is that what we uh, expose on our website in our white paper is what is going to happen. Um, the, the way we think about a DAO is like a group of people, but if you have ever worked in a big company, you know that you still need leaders to make things happen. That's not trivial, you know. Part of the... I, I think the culture aspect of the businesses we know today will be also relevant in a DAO. A DAO, as initially thought and proposed, is like a slow ecosystem, but this slowness is not all the time aligned to your needs because if you have to sell you know, a P, uh, PFP or something like that, this might be an issue because you don't want to wait for voting on everything happening. So we are uh, really supporting the concept of lazy consensus. It's me, it means that you have some people or groups 
uh, in charge of taking decisions and all the time everyone can complain. So as long as someone uh, is not complaining or raising concerns about the decisions, the operations can proceed. This allows you to be efficient and this is what makes a business be profitable, basically. So uh, this is like our, our standpoint. And on top of this, what we are going to do is not that different from, from what you can see today. So the voting mechanism will take place on, uh, on snapshot. We will propose a number of discussions that are mainly based on the, you know, what, what we want to, uh, to be as an entity. For instance, you know, there has been an, long discussions about how much AI artworks will, could be considered art and how much valuable they should be, you know, the role of AI in the, in the art landscape. We have a standpoint, but we think that a group of artists and collectors could be much more representative. So if a group of artists and collectors would say, yeah, you know, if your artworks are fully built with uh, an artificial intelligence model, you cannot consider yourself an artist. Well, you know, that's a strong standpoint, but if you have a group of people like that, you can take it. So, and, and, and that's, this is the kind of things we want to really, uh, we want to discuss. We want to have a, uh, a community, you know, in the mood of changing and having opinions on, on facts. But of course, also the, uh, our community should take decision on how the DAO will be working. But uh, as I mentioned, if, if we are coming up with a, uh, a service we want to provide, like, you know, creating an index on uh, a group of artworks or for an artist, maybe the community could say, no, this is too financial for the artwork. The art should not reflect the, uh, the financial world that the blockchain on some extent represents, you know, with all the DeFi. Maybe later we can jump into the, how the DeFi could affect the NFTs, but, uh, for, for some artists, this could be more a threat of a, of a benefit and they could end up voting, we don't want to support that. And that's what the DAO should be doing, you know. Uh, I'm gonna share this, I'm gonna, sh I'm gonna share screen and show a template from the white paper and which is also there on your website. One second. So, um, till then, what, what is the plan with, uh, the PDE token? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the token will be the main, you know, uh, a really important piece for, for the DAO because it allows you to start working with the, with the governance. Uh, the plan is actually a little delayed because of the, what I mentioned, you know, the regulatory concerns that we have and unfortunately, unfortunately are growing because of the facts happening in the DAO world. But uh, the plan is not changed. We, we plan to launch the, the token uh, likely this month. So what we want to do is to start running uh, the token and the airdrops because we distributed the token through how number of initiatives. We did not raise money. We uh, we launched 
collaborations with artists. Uh, in particular, what we did so far is that so named Deploy Collection. It's a collection where we collaborated with uh, emergent artists. And with them, we managed to, um, to, to collect some, some liquidity. And the, the collectors will receive uh, the PDN token uh, back, you know, in airdrop. So this is the way we, um, we decided to, to deploy. Uh, that, that's why the collection is named Deploy, because it's, it's the way to bootstrap the DAO and start it. So this will be uh, initially the plan. And then we will actually slowly roll out more features related to the token. Uh, the, the important one is the one about the Guardian. So uh, something that puts you really on, a, on the edge because it's, you have to make it properly in order to, um, to make your token utility. That's the point you want your token to, to have uh, a value not based on, on the token itself, but uh, based on the utility it provides. So for instance, you will be able to buy some, some of our artworks um, in the, the deploy collection, for instance, using the PDN token. So these will provide, you know, the utility to the token and to the collectors too, uh, for having a value. Uh, there's not just, you, you only want the token to grow in value. Um, and these will be the first steps. And once we do this, of course, what we will have to work on is to, you know, pools of liquidity for the token. This will be the, the fine part where you have to build trust in the brand and make the token stable uh, in order to make not just the collectors, but the community in this case happy and, uh, and keep participating in the DAO. Very interesting. So as I'm seeing in your uh, white paper, there are a lot of um, allotments you have done for the for for sharing for the PND token. So one is for the super rare artist, one is for uh, the treasury, one is for Genesis distribution. So this is do you see it on the screen? Yeah, yeah. Right now you can see that. Yeah. So. What is pre-burn and what, what does this, uh, which one should we discuss yeah. first? This one or that one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the concept there is that, as you can see, there is a allocated amount of tokens pre-burn and, you know, uh, that part is no longer existing after burn. So the concept is, is really easy, actually. The, you know, we invested between 10 and 15 millions in the collection. So we, we don't want to say, okay, community, this is yours now do whatever you want. Of course, we want our founder to keep uh, influency on the collection itself. So that's why we we can say the DAO is kind of split into strands. Like, you know, you have two different souls in the DAO. So first one is the one about the governance and uh, the one about the votations and where you can use the token for um, be part of the community, taking decisions and, and so on. But the second one is about becoming guardians, what, what I mentioned previously. So guardian means that you can burn a certain amount of tokens and obtain an NFT back. This NFT is what allows you to have like a piece of share of the collection. So uh, what, what this chart means is that uh, the, the, the initial bootstrap of the token will actually provide uh, tokens will, will be 1 billion initially, but half of the supply will be provided to uh, our founder that will burn them totally. 
this will allow him to keep you know uh, the the overview and the influence on the collection. So to 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 be to be clear, you know, if tomorrow the the community that will be burning tokens and uh, participating on the collection um, will take some action, the founder will still be able to jump in and take action if required. Hopefully that's not required, but I think it makes sense to, to provide this opportunity to who invested that, that much. Uh, so what it means, it means that the amount of tokens existing will be halved. So uh, practically speaking, one billion token initially, but then it, like right after the minting of, of the tokens, they will become uh, 500 millions. And those will be the amount of circulating tokens. Of course, as I mentioned, people will be able to burn tokens to get the NFT to participate and become guardian. This is the point of guardian is when you get this NFT. And uh, this way, the supply will keep reducing. So um, as we know, uh, a deflationary model where the amount of tokens of uh, PDNs will be reducing over time means that um, the token should, should grow in value and should provide more value to collectors who decide to, to keep the token. But of course, you know, this creates an interesting balance because maybe initially you would like to participate in the collection, but this actually, for this, you have to burn tokens. So you so lose the opportunity for the long-term of the token. What do you mean by burn the token? Oh, this is uh, exactly what you can think of. You know, when you have any ERC-20 standard token, uh, basically uh, the first operation you do when you create it, you, you mint it the same way you do with the, the NFT, um, but you can also burn tokens. So it means that you destroy them um, for, there might be multiple reasons. Uh, so this is uh, uh, like, uh, you know, the, the RC20 standard as other standards have some default functions. Uh, NFTs do this as well. You know, NFTs are defined in the ERC 721 or 1155. NFTs has this functionality as a default as well. You can mint a new token, but you can also burn a token. So you, you destroy it. Um, and this is usually related to some other functionality. So that's so what you can do. If what what benefit does the holder of the token get if they burn it? Uh, when you burn it, you receive. Because basically yeah. they're destroying it, right? They're destroying the token. Yeah. So what is the benefit of destroying? Yeah, that's the point. When you when you burn the token, you receive back this NFT. There is actually what makes you a guardian, and with this NFT, you can participate in the collection. So only if you are a guardian you can uh, participate in managing the collection and having a comeback if something is sold, for instance, and dividends are distributed. Uh, mm -hmm. If you just hold the token, you are part of the uh, of the DAO, you can participate in the DAO, but you don't directly uh, contribute to the initial collection. Let's say the, the, the snapshot of the NFTs uh, that will be moved into the DAO when, the, when it's created, you know. So basically, these are tokens uh, which people can hold and vote, and then people also can burn the NFT, uh, burn these tokens to earn governing rights in the DAO. Is yeah. that what you mean? Uh, not not governing rights in the DAO because governing rights are 
already granted with the token. So in the DAO, you can vote about decisions on snapshot with the token. Mm. Uh, the, the collection is like uh, the second piece of the DAO you can be involved with. But if you want to participate in the collection, you want to have a, come, uh, a comeback from that, you have to burn the tokens and mm-hmm. you can participate. You know, it's like two different, as I mentioned, two different souls um, in the DAO, but this makes actually the mechanism interesting. So the guardians are the guardians of the NFTs. They decide yeah. what is to be done with the NFTs which DAO has purchased. Uh, are those uh, that receive the NFT when burning the tokens? You see, like the PDN token, when you burn uh, with a certain burn ratio, it's like you mm-hmm. can burn 200,000 tokens and you will receive the NFT back. With that, you earn a piece of ownership on the collection. Collection of... NFTs are one of one NFTs connected by the whole DAO. Yeah, you get the the one you you can you know the the NFT is currently owned by Poseidon DAO. Mm-hmm. So that uh, they start giving out, then the 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 founder is going to give out the control to the guardians, those people who have burned the exactly. PDN token. Yeah, um, I had one question. You said fifty percent will be for the Poseidon DAO, uh, but doesn't this make uh, th- doesn't this make it something centralized? Because then they'll always have a power, uh, right? They'll be have, they'll they'll be like UN and NATO power of these five nations, right? You can just NATO any de- uh, veto any decisions. Yeah, but uh, this fifty percent is burned, so the DAO is not centralized. The the this fifty percent of tokens is burned to get to make, by matter of fact, the, the founder of Poseidon DAO a guardian with high influence on the collection. So this is just about the current collection, so what is moved into DAO, but this is not related at all about centralization of the token and governance of the DAO, because in order to vote in the DAO, you have to use the token, the PDN token. Um, so And the founder will, will not have tokens in this case because it will use them for keeping these influence over the collection you know mm. got it so basically what guardians and nfts we are talking about are, these are nfts that are already collected by the dao before the point of uh, the the tokens dropping whatever nfts are collected by the uh, the dao we are talking about the ownership on that and once once that is done all the holders of PDN token will be able to decide and make decisions on the new collection. Yeah, yeah. On, on the to be precise, uh, the Guardian NFT is an NFT of its own. So it means that once you, you you know you go on the website, you burn your token, you receive back on your wallet an NFT. This Guardian NFT. This is what provides you uh, voting power on the collection. So you you can use that NFT uh, in order to participate in the founder collection. So the collector of the PDN token have a choice to make whether whether they want to use that for uh, governing the NFTs already collected by the collect, collection. Let's call it foundation founder collection, uh, yeah. or they can keep the tokens and use them for governance in future of the DAO. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that that's the two aspects of the DAO. So you can see how this is basically uh, puts you, you know. Um, it really depends on your interest. If you are more interested in to probably earn from the collection and how it will develop, 
you will burn your token. But if you're really interested in participating because you want to shape the future of crypto art and be part of this group that will take important decisions, you will want to keep your token. So these, you know, maybe someone will do, will both burn some tokens and keep some of them so we'll be able to both participate in the governance and also participate in the in the collection. It will be up to the to the community. But this creates an interesting mechanism because you cannot come back. You know, once you burn your token, you become a guardian, you cannot burn your NFT and become uh, receive tokens back. So uh, this will be, it will be really interesting to see uh, what, what the artists will, will decide to do. All right. So uh, 3000 NFTs in the founder collection. How do you, what do you think is the total value of this? I mean, the, the, the founder collection in itself. Yeah. I mean, consider that we, we invested something between 10 and 15 millions in the NFTs. So also take into account, you know, the, the value of historical and vintage NFTs uh, grew exponentially. So, and we collected multiple of them back then. So I, to be honest, it's, it's not easy to, to, to quantify because uh, being NFT is not a liquid asset as cryptocurrencies. You cannot just, you know, sum up all of them and you see uh, how, much they, how much they are currently worth. Um, but yeah, I, I would say the value is between 10 and 15 million. 10 and 15 millions. Wow. Yeah. And already spent 1.5 million. That's an huge collection of art and NFTs and digital assets that you have there for which the guardians uh, will be able to either earn from it by selling it or decide what happens to that collection. So that's, that's a very interesting concept. So the new collection, which forms after the, uh, the token launch, what will you call those artworks and in which in which collection will that go the new artworks that you collect yeah yeah that, that's a good point uh the the idea is to include them in the in the collection that would be part of the DAO. of course since you know the DAO has these two different areas um the governance will allow the DAO to include new nfts in the treasury because you know Every DAO has a treasury, so a number of assets uh, stored, like tokens, uh, Ethereum's in general, to, to be used for uh, activities and initiatives, investments, and, and, and so on. Maybe, and very really likely, these uh, governance will decide to also acquire some NFTs, so some of them will likely be part of the treasury of the DAO itself. But I would expect uh, on the other side, the, the NFTs we will keep buying because at least for some time we will definitely keep buying uh, NFTs will either be included in the in the founder collection, but but it, it depends. I I mean, I don't expect uh, you know the founder to keep investing so such a high amount of money like more than ten millions uh, and just move it into into the DAO because that would be, I mean, that will be loss. Not, not really, but it would be like against missed the, opportunity, yeah. Or, but it would uh, be against the process, right? Because if you don't rely on the participants at that point, it, it would be just yeah, easier to yeah. say keep, keep this if and do 
and, and buy something. So um, in order to stick with the process and with the mechanism of the DAO, I will expect this group of guardians to vote. Yeah, okay, got it. So it, it basically it goes against it. So the treasury will, whatever money they raise by selling the PND tokens, a portion of that or all of that as per what the government decides, the governance decide, will be, they will be able to collect uh, more NFTs or do whatever they want with it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's the point in, in the treasury. Usually, you know, you use the treasury to pay uh, the participants in the DAO. So how DAOs work are, you have a set of tasks you publish. There are multiple platforms providing this service and you are able to assign and participants in the DAO are able to fulfill this task and receive uh, a payment back. So this is really often how DAOs use treasury. treasury uh, uh, this is likely what, what will happen. But for instance, you know, on the marketing standpoint, if you want to exhibit your artworks or some artist in physical events, this is what the DAO treasury will be used for. And of course, there will be, uh, as I mentioned, first some councils, some committees uh, deciding on this thing and bringing up the proposals about how to spend from treasury and how to hopefully uh, increase it. So when are these uh, PND tokens going to be launched? What is the timeline we are looking for? It's really soon. We we expected it to be done uh, within uh, the end of the year. We delayed that a little bit because, as I mentioned, all the regulatory uh, concerns that are around, and uh, we must be really careful because the mechanism, you know, is not super simple. I mean, it's not that complex, but in practically in practice, this could be uh, like targeted. Um, marked as you know securities mm -hmm. or, or whatever uh, that's not because there will be of course utility uh, into the token as i mentioned uh, first thing will be you can buy artworks with the pdn token so uh, that's why we, we want to be really careful but we expect to launch it uh, really soon we are now defining the details about uh, uh, you know how to manage pools and how to make sure the liquidity is properly uh, handled and, and so on that's very interesting. Another aspect that comes with blockchain is you got to be hundred percent sure about the contract before deploying it, right? So it's better better delayed and full secure than um, launching it in a hurry and then finding loopholes. Because yeah. what is ingrained in the blockchain, it always will remain like that. You cannot tweak it. One hundred percent. Indeed, we audited our smart contract already. That's a, totally. You. Uh, I mean, let it. Whatever you feel the best, let it go that way. And um, another point that you mentioned was holders of the tokens can work for the DAO and even have additional income source by working for the DAO and earn with the PND token. So that's what the viewers also can look forward to when they yeah, get definitely. the token. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, this, this will be one of the huge benefits DAOs will bring to the world. You know, you will start having these people not working for a single company, not being employed, just working for different DAOs, contributing the way they, the, the way they prefer, and they will be able to earn money based on tasks. So this is, I'm really looking forward for this to be the standard practice in the Web3 world. Talking about DAOs as a whole, what are the, what are the top uh, criticisms that you all face and how do you answer them? Because 
I'm sure those are broad FAQs even for the viewers. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, there are multiple criticisms. I also uh, rise for, against DAOs because, you know, uh, of course, one of them, the one you already mentioned is for DAOs to not be really decentralized. Uh, the way we address this is to make sure the token is as distributed as possible. So if you look into the, the distributions we also included in the white paper, you, you can see basically the, the there are already initiatives specifically targeted to distribute this token as much as we can to the community. So uh, this will make it uh, decentralized. The biggest concern in general with DAOs, in my opinion, is the one about being really profitable. So DAOs should recognize they should be organizations and not just communities because being a community is a thing, but being profitable is a totally different thing. You, you cannot expect you cannot expect, you know, you have listeners, for instance, to, uh, you know, a podcast, uh, your, a channel or whatever, and you, say, you just say, okay, I will create a token. We are now a DAO. No, that's not the point. You have to build something people will be involved in to, to build something valuable. That's what a business is about. This is the main criticism. I And this is why we think so much about it. And I already talked about the... Uh, multiple ideas we have about creating uh, proper cash flows. But I see today, this is not clear in the Web3 space. I, I, I think multiple DAOs will go through this process where they will just start as a DAO and then realize they are not really an organization, they are just a community and they will start looking for a business model that is not something you come up with you know, overnight. Mm. That's an interesting point about the business model. So I just pulled up that section from the white paper. Uh, can you take us through? Because you have given three to four models on how the business will work. That's a very well thought yeah. out plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, partially, I already spoke about that with the whole services, uh, you know, talking about how DeFi will affect. We didn't dig into that. But uh, I mean, uh, DeFi will definitely play a role there. Um, and we we think we will be able to provide services. Uh, as we mentioned, there are indexes or other type of platforms you can build in order to serve the needs of this community. But beside that, uh, the, the, the closer thing we have is the super rare space. Um, we, we have been accepted for being uh, hosting a space on super rare. And we really want to make it the bridge between traditional artists that look for joining the NFT space, but they don't know where to start. Uh, in particular, you know, not, not emergent artists, but really known artists from the traditional art market. Uh, and we, we did this for quite a long time. We are kind of used to it. We, we collected really a lot of errors we, but in general, artists did uh, in their NFT career. So we really know what you should avoid as an artist joining the NFT space. And we think that creating this space as a place for introducing and uh, also like, you know, improve the, uh, the NFT space on the art standpoint uh, is really something valuable we can do for this space. You know, the NFT space, in particular crypto art one, really have to 
improve on the artistic standpoint. I really have to, um, a lot is driven by the speculation, of course, but in terms of knowledge on art history, we, we have a lot to, to learn, you know. This will change, of course, important artists and uh, curators already joined the space, but there is room for improvement. This is one of the ways we want to do that. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, the we have some collections, for instance, the Deploy one uh, is basically a limited editions uh, we are running with emerging artists and uh, this way of creating art and providing, you know, a showcase to artists to, to share their art. And also like we are doing now with these limited editions, we are basically allow, allowing collectors to get access to some artists they would not be able to, to buy because maybe they have a floor price of three, four, five ETH. Uh, this way they can pick up a piece of art from, from these artists and we will have more collections uh, we will be running. And again, as I mentioned, uh, related to the DeFi movement, uh, we think there will be huge developments in terms of the financial tools that will be created on top of NFTs. And we really want to play a role there because we, you know, we started as technologists in, in practice because we joined the crypto space because of the blockchain really longer before the NFTs were a thing. So we can definitely leverage our knowledge and experience in, in this space to uh, make, let's say, uh, crypto art something mm. that is also related on the financial standpoint to the blockchain space. This is an interesting aspect about DeFi indexes. So people can own fractions of an art of a famous artist in future. So all the existing uh, financial tools like mutual funds or um, things like that can be used with NFTs and in art NFTs in specific. Uh, yeah, and you know, there is even more to that because we already started seeing trends like where, you know, NFTs are used as collateral for loans. So the problem with uh, crypto art is that, as we already discussed, the supply is very limited there. While, you know, you can, today you can already use like your board ape as a collateral to get a crypto loan and you get, you know, like USD, Ethereum back um, because the the value of that PFP is really, is high, but based on a large supply. So it's really hard to attack the floor price and expose you on your loan. With crypto art, the threat model is different because of the limited supply. So it's more difficult to make sure the, um, the value of your loan, for instance, is not attacked by maybe multiple collectors um, agreeing on selling artworks. But still, we definitely think this is something that will come. I mean, it, I don't think it's something you can avoid, you know. Uh, and in general, artists will not be happy about that. But yeah, uh, it's really hard to, to avoid uh, this happening because if it happened with the NFTs, PFPs uh, already, these will be unlocked and uh, because benefits are huge, you know, uh, you you really want to, to make an asset like an artwork, a liquid asset, something that can be used as collateral and can uh, grant you access to liquidity. This is huge for collectors. So uh, we should bear in mind that although, you know, art, art is important on its own, it's not about money. But still, this uh, this is relevant, and this is mainly why 
uh, NFT artworks got such a, an explosion in the in the last bull market. Very interesting. As this uh, DAO is centered on art, let's let's now talk about art. And uh, you, as a person, Patrick, how how and when did you join uh, Poseidon? Well, I'm actually I'm not uh, an art expert. I I'm personally a software engineer. I've been working in crypto space for for multiple years, and uh, uh, I've actually got in touch with the uh, artist working uh, on on a project of mine. So because of this, I, I knew uh, important Italian artists. For instance, you know I have this artwork uh, up here is from Matteo Mauro. Uh, he's a friend of mine, um, but I know many other artists and. Because of that, I, I got in touch with Poseidon and I started collaborating with, uh, with Poseidon uh, for some uh, projects of, of this artist. And at that point, I basically uh, got in charge of, of the DAO because we were we needed someone for coordinating the effort that had both, you know, technical knowledge in the NFT space to understand how to manage, uh, you know, on, on, from the smart contract side to the platforms, how the space will evolve because it's obviously driven by the technology, um, but also that had the experience to manage a team and organization and, and, and so on. So this is basically my background. Um, I start from there. And as I mentioned, luckily, we we, we hired um, our lead curator to help us out with all the artistic process, because if it would be for me, yeah, we would not, <laughs> we would have missed a lot of artworks for sure. And the founder of Poseidon, is he, I'm sure he has a taste for art because he started this for yeah. art. Yeah, you is developed he... that. You know, uh, he, he didn't start it with, with that, but definitely over time, looking art every day, he has a huge passion for that. Um, his involvement in uh, art collection uh, really increased over these years. And it's clear is he, that... Is he yeah. doxed? Uh what do you mean exactly? Can I show the founder to the viewers on Twitter or something? Is uh, he, is, has he revealed himself or is he still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's not, uh, it's not, not a secret. Uh-huh. Uh, so in the chat box, can you just uh, tell me his uh, handle? I'll pull it up. Yeah. Uh, let me check. Oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, probably if you follow the, you know, our, our, our account on, on Twitter, you might uh, spot his resharing or, uh, or something like that. This is his account on, uh, on Twitter. Mm hmm. Natalie uh, M. Ferreira. Yeah, yeah. He is the founder of Poseidon Group, so that, that's not a secret. Okay. So when when does he... Oh, he's in England. Um, did I meet him in NFT London? Did, was he, did he come for NFT London? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But actually, uh, he's, he's mostly based in Lugano currently, in Switzerland. He's based in Switzerland. Yeah, mostly, yeah. Okay. All right, let me just uh, share the screen and show. 
our viewers. So this is the person, the founder of Poseidon Dao. I'll provide his link in the description also. You can go and yeah. follow him. Yeah. As, as you can see, huge supporter of Manuela Ferrari, the, the photographer. Hmm. You're talking about tools, right? So one of the tools that I've been discussing with developers of or other people who have been on the podcast also is a way for artists to understand what are the choices and preferences of a collector. So a place where, uh, because that makes the artist easy, right? So if they know that the collector has taste for this genre of art, it makes them saves them time then only they can show that kind of work to them instead of uh, beating around the bush or uh, hopping here and there to find the right collector so if there's a website which shows um, wallets or collections of the collector along with uh, the 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 taste and nfts they have collected how active they have how actively they have been collecting and so on that would be a amazing feature yeah, that, that would be really interesting. This definitely aligns with the platforms I've been discussing earlier, you know, how to provide value to both collectors in the case I mentioned about having these metrics about artists, but about correct collectors as well. You know, it's super important since we have this technology that allows the tracking is super important to, to provide these insights because they are super valuable. So, yeah. Even for collectors, finding, uh, of course, their tools and marketplaces are already there, but a cross-platform, cross-chain uh, like Trezos, and which a tool that brings all the artwork collected to that artist and brings them ahead and uh, shows what genre they are, or that would make it easier for the collector to right to find yeah. and educate them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, how in the future, like, what are your plans to onboard non-crypto non natives for this artwork? Because there are people who might be indifferent to cryptos, but they are art collectors. So, there's a lot of galleries and collectors of physical art in, in Italy and in Europe and in all around the world. So, this... This platform, which this DAO, which is focused on art, how do you plan to educate uh, new members and enthusiasts and get them to join uh, crypto space with, through NFTs? Yeah, there are, I will say, two main uh, strategies we, we, we adopted already for that. Uh, the first one is physical exhibitions. We, we already did a few of them. We also join some of them, but we also organize some of them and we're working for that for, for this year. Uh, so we, in particular in Switzerland, we are definitely working into, you know, expanding the audience of, of NFTs and making, helping out the, the mainstream adoption of, of NFTs. Uh, you also need the tools for that. So, uh, you know, many people will be interested in NFTs, but they it's not like they don't know, but they really don't want to have a wallet to handle that. You know, you have to come through different uh, means for that. And we also are working on, on that standpoint uh, with, with a company that will allow us to um, offer this as a service. So, you know, 
people will be able to, to invest um, through these uh, vehicle basically buy NFTs. And the third one is, uh, yeah, the uh, what I already spoke about, the super airspace that will specifically be meant for launching artists coming from the traditional art and uh, bridge them into the NFT space in a successful way, hopefully. Uh, this will bring more knowledge because, of course, these artists we, we talk about have collectors in the physical world. And, of course, they, these collectors are interested because when artists join the space, they, they start looking into it and want to know more. Um, and this is definitely another you know lead we are following for uh, make this happen. So I would say we are really trying trying to contribute to the to the adoption. That's very interesting. Uh, also, to know about that you have already done exhibitions. That those are great way to get people on board and for the artists to expand their audience and collector base. Uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, we 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 already exhibited uh, in uh, you know, for instance, in, in Lugano, in Switzerland, uh, Villa Chani is this um, this building uh, in the middle of the city, and we 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 organized an exhibition there. So uh, it was not the only one we we also had as a um, as a holding an event in Lugano last year, and we are working on it for having a new one this year as well and really put the focus on NFTs and provide room and visibility to, to the artists we, we collect. One, uh, what is the process of collecting artwork? I've seen you on many spaces and collecting works. So is it primarily through Twitter spaces or shill threads or uh, how do you discover artists? Is it through platforms? Yeah, I would say it's, it's mixed. So we do it uh, definitely through Twitter. You know, Twitter is like uh, probably the main window we have on the artwork. So we, we see what other artists uh, share, you know. Of course, this is really interesting for us. We also ask, so as you mentioned, there are some shilling posts where we ask two artists to send artworks and we really often are able to pick up from there. But uh, also we have uh, our lead curator really active and looking into the platform so you can see the, the new uh, launches, new drops. And uh, I, I would say the, you know, the approach there is quite mixed, but I could identify Twitter as the main point of contact for us. So no Reddit, no Instagram or uh, YouTube? Not, or not that much. Not LinkedIn. that much. Yeah, I mean, Reddit really, really partially, but not that much. Instagram, I mean, it's you can find good artists there. So it's you have multiple artists uh, that have a good presence on, on Instagram. So it could happen, but it's more like, you know, not for discovering, but for like confirming, you know, you, you discover an artist mm -hmm. and maybe you discover they have a cool uh, Instagram page and that that's fine. Uh, but it's really difficult to discover, find out new artists there. Mm. True. Um, then what about collecting artworks? How frequently have you been collecting and how has it been? Are you still keeping on adding to the collection or mm -hmm. what is the yeah. position on that? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we keep doing that. It's probably too much saying on a daily basis because it, it depends. Definitely, uh, we do weekly, like every week we buy some, some artworks. So it's really uh, a going on effort. Uh, yeah, the process is basically what, what we, we have discussed. But for the last more than two years, we have been collecting NFT artworks basically every day. Uh, every day? Yeah, basically every day. I mean, of course, there might be, you know, you can, if you go back and you can find a few weeks where it didn't happen, so, you know, that's why I don't say daily. But yeah, weekly for sure. We, we have been buying uh, a few NFTs every week for a long time now. Awesome. With that, I would like to invite you. We have spaces on Saturdays. So it's a long 12 hour space uh, with, to catch all artists from all uh, different time zones. So we'd love to invite you and the DAO to check out and collect some works from there too. <laughs> sure, sure. Why not? All right. And uh, uh, being a DAO or do you have preference for any particular genre or what kind of art are you more interested in or how does it, how does it happen? Yeah. I mean, you know, in particular, you, if you look at our collection, you can probably identify some preferred uh, types of art. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, you know, the whole cyberpunk movement is something we, we are really attracted from. Um, also, animated artworks, uh, also, you know, and then uh, anime fashion is really something you can easily find in our collection. Although, to be honest, our collection is quite wide and, you know, uh, you can really find a lot of different type of art. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, would, I, I would identify Poseidon Dao as a collector, definitely aligned with the, 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 NFT, the crypto art uh, taste, let's say, you know. Um, yeah, we, we, we collected a lot of uh, nerd artworks, you know, we, uh, we are supporters of the, the whole uh, Pepe Vintage uh, movement, so we, we collected a lot of, a lot of that. Um, so yeah, but primarily I would say the cyberpunk is really spread in our collection. So by cyberpunk, you mean sci-fi, uh, popping colors and yeah. all that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, let me pull up uh, and share your super, which, which let us just show audience some of the, your collective works. Oh yeah, works. of course. So where do you want me to show for foundation works or super rare works? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably super rare is, uh, is a good showcase. Foundation is often kind of messy uh, because it's not super clear. It's actually, you know, aggregating from multiple uh, places. I would say, yeah, super, super rare can easily explain what I what I just said. You, you can yeah. see the last one from Anibale is pretty futuristic cyberpunk stuff. Um, but yeah, you can, you can find a lot of interesting artworks there. So which one of your, which one of the, these is your recent favorite ones? Oh, well, that's a good question. I'm really a supporter of, uh, of Anibale. Uh, I, I love his artworks. I, I have 
multiple, you, you can also find the, the one you see in my background. Um, I, I will say I love artworks from, uh, yeah, th that one from, from Paolo Renz, the photographer, it's Which one? a huge one. This one? Yeah, the one okay. on the left. Uh, the first one, yeah, on the left. Uh, Paolo is a friend of mine. Uh, his his knowledge is huge on the on the photography. You have artworks from uh, another great artist I work is um, Giovanni Motta uh, with his Johnny Boy. Uh, but yeah, I mean there are. I, I also really like the one from Anima. We also exhibited uh, in Art Basel recently. Yeah, there are really. Ah, this is of, the work behind uh, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't you think uh, Super Air's uh, UI is a bit clunky? It's, uh... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it could be improved. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, Matteo is really incredible. Generative, it looks like, um, if yeah. I had to take a guess, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We, we, we collected uh, a lot of generative art, uh, we definitely. We also started collecting uh, a few uh, AI-based artworks. Uh, we are like, you know, building an opinion about what's the, the value of uh, artworks based on, on AI generation. But yeah, uh, mm. you, you can see the style, uh, you know, many of these artworks like that one or the one from Grand Tune are, you know, like this precisionism. Like uh, we, we, we also appreciate that, these shiny colors um, yeah, that's really a line on, on, on the collection. Mm -hmm. So listeners, shiny colors, crypto art is, yeah. <laughs> if you, you can, you can share that with them. How can, how can people get visibility or how, how can they, how can you notice them? So many a times attention is yeah. the main issue. So what do you think about it? I really love this one. That's oh, yeah. One. Yeah. In the train. Yeah. Blinking lights. Vittorio's artworks are, are great. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, what, what really shines is when artists we value uh, share your artworks. That's definitely something that allows you to... Um, to come out from, from the, the huge noise you can actually find on Twitter because it's really difficult to, uh, to find that. So, uh, as you could guess for us, it's really tough to like analyze and you know, go through all the proposals we receive and the messages we receive. So, uh, I, <laughs> artists have to be patient on, on, on that standpoint, but, oh, on our defense, it's, it's really tough to keep up with everything. You you would need really multiple people only working on, you know, interacting and in the communication side. Um, but yeah, the point is that if you are a valuable artist, you know, you know your art history, you have a background, it's really likely you will be noticed. Uh, someone will mention you, we will mention you on Twitter or platforms. So unfortunately, uh, anytime these questions uh, are, are answered, it, it's difficult to provide the, you know, uh, a practice answer because it's, it really depends. 
So would you say that Twitter is the best way and they can keep uh oh look at this <laughs> so they can yeah. keep so can they can keep commenting on your tweets or engaging with your tweets or participating in your shill threads or in your spaces what what increases the chances yeah yeah i mean it, it helps out for sure uh, I, i will say what increases the, the chances is definitely being shared from valuable people like you know if you if your art is shared by other artists or collectors it would be much easier for us to notice so that's if i have to come up with a, you know an advice mm. probably that would be really what could make the difference <laughs> all right so <laughs> see see what all people poseidon dao is following and uh, share your work with the people they are following and if they retweet that's your best uh, chance <laughs> to come in front because that adds validity right a well known collector or well known artist is uh, resonating with your art and promoting your art so there's yeah. nothing like it yeah all right and um these artworks this this is the super air works uh do we have the super air space here as well that we can see or is it still to be incorporated i love this it, one too it's not uh, launched yet uh because we were part of the last super air race uh we were launched uh, it should launch soon we are actually now in the process of the onboarding i i expect this to be launched soon probably the beginning of february or something like that mhm all right so coming up very soon how so uh, this is a question another question okay uh when yeah. when it comes to dao or usually these artists when they are in spaces or they have this belief that if if we if we collect from the collectors or whatever projects they are supporting that right that might get me visibility or that they start expecting that that uh, collector should buy art from them in in return or something like that so this could be a possibility i'm not saying it can it'll definitely happen but for people who will be collecting your token they might uh, be artists and they might expect you to collect from all of them so how would you tackle that question or situation because this is very real i have heard i have been hosting spaces for 40 11 months now what is 3 weeks so this is i'm just <laughs> yeah yeah bringing out the questions but i mean well, to to complete what what i said previously that what actually makes difference is actually who collects you um so if you are already collected by a collector we know you know not maybe not personally but it's something we we someone we follow on twitter yeah that could make uh the difference we also advise soon to some artists to accept you know lower offers in order to get collected from some collectors because who you know which collections you are part of is definitely an aspect to to take into account um so Yeah, I mean in general uh I, I would definitely suggest to um, to employ that that path, yeah. 
So even if you're a token holder of the DAO, it's important to be recognized by other collectors to be collected. Uh, are you, yeah, are I you mean, saying, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, being a token holder is definitely like different from, um, from from the common strategies for for being being collected, and to be honest, I would not like suggest you to buy tokens in order to be collected. That mm. that would not be really healthy. I guess it, it, you know, also because still when the DAO starts, it will be like proxied. Uh, there will be a process in place for that to happen. So just buying tokens will not grant you. Uh, to be bought, you know, these, I mean, for sure, 100%, if you are not a good artist and you, you can buy 1 million tokens, you will not collect it either way. So, uh, but of course, on the other side, if you're a good artist and you collect tokens and start being active in the DAO and participating, yeah, maybe this could make it more likely because you could be more visible. So I, I don't want to ex to exclude the, the option of 100%, but still, I think there are other more healthy way to to get collected. Mm -hmm. So, what what are the benefits uh, of holding a PDN token apart from voting in the governance? Yeah, I mean, there are multiple benefits. Uh, you know, the the token itself is actually an asset. Maybe uh, we might deny that, but of course, the interest in uh, collecting. Uh, a token which value could change in, in time is actually an incentive, the economic incentive. The being part of the DAO of the governance is, as you mentioned, another important piece because you want to, um, to, to, to participate and to contribute. Another part that uh, I didn't mention yet, but uh, th thanks for asking about, is uh, because we also want to, you know, the DAO is not a gallery. So we don't want to be that place where you want to stay because you can be sold and we keep like a, a fee. Um, but at the same time, being part of the DAO should uh, put you in a position where it's easier for you to be seen by other collectors. So in general, you know, we, as I, as we discussed, we organize physical exhibitions or we have exhibited some of our artworks in like, Art Basel recently. This is a showcase, you know. This is something uh, artists would, uh, would can really appreciate. And we want to offer this opportunity. You know, this this should be defined by by process. But definitely, um, this is the type of benefit we want to offer to artists that are participating in the DAO. So if you participate and you contribute, I expect we will like you know reward. Uh, this type of participation being like exhibited in some physical uh, conference or this type of thing. So definitely being part of the DAO must be, uh, it, it's something you should be proud of. You know, we want to buy an environment where you should be proud of being part of the DAO because this puts you on a good spot, make you visible and you really want to, to contribute because you can see the benefit of the benefit of that. You know, being the devil's advocate, value of the first point that you made was the, the token will be an asset in itself and you can sell it and people will buy. So for the market to appreciate its value, 
market needs to find more value than the person who's selling it right to to buy it to give offer a higher price to the seller to collect it from them yeah uh, so basically fundamental uh, whatever the fundamental utility of holding that token that has to keep going higher and higher in order for the holder to get a good return in exchange because even the buyer will be expecting good returns on investment in future right he'll be investing mm-hmm. with the point of view that this is going to go higher uh, which in turn means that the dao will keep on adding value and utility in the future that raises the value of the token uh, itself in the future so well, what do you the, think about that that's not the only way uh, an asset can appreciate because you know for instance bitcoin is growing in value not only because the the value of bitcoin itself is growing as a tool but also because the deflationary model of the of bitcoin makes its supply scarce you know it's uh, limited so you start with 21 you start, i mean in in the long term you will have 21 million bitcoins minted uh, you you have this upper bound that will never be reached and bitcoins are lost you know private keys are lost so actually the number of available bitcoins are lost so you have this scarce you know limited uh, in quantity uh, asset and this makes because of course since the price is defined by uh, how many uh, people holding you know and uh, uh, the amount of asset available of course if the asset uh, is reducing over time price is destined to grow uh, and this is also why with our with, with the pdn token you can expect this mechanism to be enforced because when people burn the token to get the, the nft back the amount of tokens available decreases so the of course i, I really hope there the the token will will keep growing because it provides more and more value but also the way it is defined um make it really you know uh, inclined to to grow in value um so yeah so the scarcity aspect is the other that you pointing out so what i'm uh, what i'm gaining from gauging from this right now is uh you already have a a whole huge collection worth 10 to 20 million dollars of nfts with you which has the value in itself that you can sell and earn in future that is one number two is that this dao is totally for promoting art so and that will keep doing that so if you stay associated you will have lot of chart uh, opportunities to uh, be exhibited around the world be be come in the limelight or focus of other different collectors uh, yeah what else yeah P- potentially increase uh, your sales through that um, get opportunity to be curated on super rare and platforms like that um, get up to date be up to date on the activities and the new uh, initiatives of the dao yeah and, and we we don't want to sell to sell sorry uh, our collection right we we don't want to to extract liquidity from what we collect because as we mentioned we really are looking for the long term here so uh, that's definitely not an option for for us start collecting artworks because we have to uh get the equity back hmm all right 
so what is the as an artist i would say that um, two things are really going to be important uh, for the dao going forward uh, one is to make it easier for the collectors all onboarding new collectors uh, making making it more secure or sound or easy for them to invest uh, this is from the collector point of view and for the artists to be able giving them more platform more reach more ways to display and sell their artworks and you know what is the problem currently Art, artists get really exhausted uh, shilling on spaces or having to spend more time in uh, marketing about it than actually creating it so uh, yeah. you might have observed this what what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean i definitely agree with you that what really changed for artists is that you know now they have to be not not only artists uh, but entrepreneurs of themselves uh you can clearly see where the value of galleries lies uh for artists you know yeah of course they will provide 50% of the sales to the uh to the gallery but the truth is that they can focus on art and only art they don't have to build the marketing they don't have to look for collectors nft space changed that um so as an artist you have more effort to to be seen and, and so on so yeah of course that so that's why i'm not saying galleries are bad you know or they are not needed it's, it's just that we as a dao we live in an environment the nft space where galleries are not like the primary requirement we don't want to be gallery because we live in an environment where artists got used to be, uh, you know, marketers for themselves. They got used to create relationships and, and so on. So we, we don't want to be part of that legacy system, but that's a pain, I understand. So uh, that's why I mentioned the DAO wants to be the place that can provide you these ad additional opportunities. So for instance, with the artists we are going to launch in the super airspace, our plan is, you know, to, to build storytelling around them, present them on Twitter, invite them to our Twitter spaces. So we are actually provide them like a showcase where they can make their art uh, visible and explain their art. And this is actually really important for a new artist in the NFT space where it's really tough to, to get noticed, right? So uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, so this might be a reason why some artists will not want to join the NFT space, uh, although I, I expect it to be inevitable at some point. But still, so, so you know, we, uh, I don't want to demonize galleries. Uh, there is a reason for them to exist. Uh, we want to be something different. Uh, we live in the NFT space where this concept is different and uh, we will make you know, as much as we can for, for, of course, you know, when 300 artists are involved, you, you, you have to, uh, to implement a process for that to happen. You have to make uh, a decision-making process uh, happening to uh, to select who is going to be exhibited and, and so on. Uh, this will not be trivial, you know, it, it, it will take time to, to get the perfect process for that, but this is definitely our, our goal. Very interesting, the point you made about gallery we discussed the same on previous episodes with Mark, Mark Kelly, source book you might have heard. He's a, 
a mm-hmm. big collector, curator, and creator himself. So first, we started off with um, saying that there's no middleman, there's no gallery. We can uh, we can sell our work. Uh, but then we are again realizing the efforts or where exactly that 40-50% of the sales goes is reducing your headache in uh, marketing. You can just create yeah. that work. Marketplaces uh, are not the same thing, right? You know, the marketplace is like creating the mean for the NFTs to be sold. And that's huge. These made all the difference in the NFT space and explosion last bull run. But the truth is that marketplaces are not doing much for artists they are they are providing the technology but for instance right now this is provided by manifold for free you know they are not curating artists some are now doing you know these curated drops um but in general marketplaces are um are done for for scaling for as many artists as they can uh launch Probably something to be to bear in mind is that some platforms might instead focus more on the you know gallery fashion, focus on few artists and work on them and provide uh, exposure to just few artists. This will be valuable for 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 some artists. Hmm. What is art for you? Oh, well, th- that's a good question. Um, as I mentioned, I'm not like an art expert, but what I learn, you know, talking and interacting with uh, multiple artists um, throughout, you know, our Twitter spaces and so on, is that I think art is when you when you don't just stop creating something because you you need to to create something, you know, you do something for a customer. You don't you don't want to just uh, uh do the thing you want to put yourself and like you want to translate your knowledge and experience uh, into something new and you and, and you do that because you are super curious you want to basically translate your curiosity and your knowledge in something valuable uh more than what you are just asked for and I, what I identify as art is exactly the outcome of that, you know, this will to create and uh, with the curiosity and explore more, I, I identify art as exactly the output of this process. Fair enough. What do you think art does for the world? That's another great question. Um, you know, I think multiple things, you know, uh, it's really hard to say art is exactly about that. What I really appreciate about art is the, you know, how, how, how it, it is able to, to expose and, um, like extract and represent uh, specific art aspects of, uh, it, it depends, it might be of our society, but not, not just that because, you know, you have abstract art that is not related to, is there a big difference between, you know, Banksy and an abstract artwork? They are clearly meant for different purposes. 
of course, you know. So uh, it's really hard to like uh, to put all of them under the same umbrella. Uh, but I would say that what I'm really passionate about is when art is able to expose um, the, the the truth and to make you make you think. But uh, being really trivial, you know, art is also done for uh, surprise. It's also to, to to make you uh, to make you think, uh, to surprise you, and to provide a mean for like you know feel some emotions. Uh, find like you know uh, looking at, at the artwork, just being amazed. Uh, I think this is really important. It's more and more difficult to, to be amazed by things. Uh, so yeah, I. I, I I think this is definitely one of the one of the reasons for art. You know, as you're saying now, I was wondering for collectors like you to see thousands of art every day and to find something that really amazes you and stands out would be so difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's why then you start, you know, looking for something unique. So that's when 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 you you are collecting, you really start looking for a specific signature for an artist, you know, you, you, of course, you, you, we can say you become a little bit more picky. You start, um, in particular, in the collecting activity, you start being more picky. You're, you're looking for some aspect of an artwork. You are looking for uh, the uh, artistic knowledge. You know, you can, you can see where it comes from if an artist is able to get something from history and innovate on the stamp, maybe, you know, uh, with the technology, maybe using the blockchain in some way, but this is what uh, you start looking for because you want to be amazed. You want to be amazed. Wow. What, what suggestion would you like to give to artists then as a collector? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to repeat myself because we, we already said uh, a few things I, I tend to, to, to provide a, a suggestions. Um, well, I think this time is really important to, um, to be careful about uh, um, how you go to the market right now. You know, we have seen a lot of artists creating a lot of open editions, for instance, and, you know, increasing their supply. Bear in mind that, you know, art, uh, of course, uh, huge artists like Picasso created a lot of artworks, but not all Picassos are the same, you know. So when you are creating art, bear in mind that you are creating something of value. Um, and so the 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 economic condition should you should tend to avoid the economic condition to affect you um, in particular during, during this time in, in the market because I understand liquidity is low uh, but what you do today will affect you also when liquidity will be back so if you are now launching too many open editions if you are um, taking decisions today this will affect you in the long term so it, it's really important to keep in mind. Um, how, how artists uh, work uh, today during the bear market. This is important in my opinion. And then 
Yeah, as I mentioned, study at all because this helps out and makes the difference. Uh, you know, for careful eyes uh, analyzing your your artworks. Um, yeah, beside that, what we have been discussing about, you know, about being uh, shared and to be able to be noticed by other artists, it's really important to to build your relationships with other artists to find, you know, be part of the community, be supportive. That's really important. It, it makes the difference. Do you think too many open editions dilutes the reputation of the artist? Uh, yeah, on some extent. It depends, you know, there are big artists like, you know, Xcopy created multiple open editions uh, or limited editions. So collections are not bad by themselves, but if you are creating an open edition with a really low entry price and you end up having 10,000, 20,000 of them, yeah, this might be risky. Uh, you really have to be careful at least about what you do. Um, Saying like, yeah, I'm going to launch this because I need liquidity and let's see how it goes. And you end up with 20,000 pieces out there. Uh, yeah, it might be might be a problem in the long term. You know, you, you have to think in the long term, a collector that wants a piece of art of mine and, you know, can easily find it at a cheap price, let's say, because I have a lot of uh, uh, limited editions. Uh, might affect you negatively. Uh, of course, a limited or open edition will never be the same as a one-on-one artwork. But if this is, if these uh, make the one-on-one artwork to be perceived as less valuable, well, yeah, that's a problem. About pricing, what do you think is a comfortable price? Because I've seen you uh, placing bids for three, four, five uh, Ethereum and upwards. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, this is one of those questions that <clears throat> is really hard to to answer with a you know a generic definition. Uh, it it really depends. Uh, it really depends on on the perception. You know, the the price is not an absolute definition. I I mean, the price of of, of an artist or of an artwork, the floor price, it's like. A, a condition that is uh, negotiated by by community. We we shape the reality. If we are available to spend a certain amount of money on a thing, we are defining its value. You know, uh, but this can change. So uh, it it really depends. So I think we can agree on the fact that an artist or its artworks can be built to be successful, can be built to have a high price. It, it might mean uh, it, its value is higher than other artworks. It might, but might not. It, it really depends, you know. Um, so price is ju just the value uh, we afford, uh, we we are willing to provide to, to a thing. Um, so price is important on the investment standpoint. So, you know, I think that it's important to take care of collectors because although price is kind of artificial, in order to make a living out of it, you have to sell artwork. So um, it's also important to 
to manage your artistic work in a way that can provide you the perceived value in such a way people will be willing to buy your artworks because yeah i mean there are for sure uh collectors only buying for art uh that's 100 i think but historically i mean in history um you know also the kings buying artworks did it also as an investment you know so that's that's a thing something we have to take into account i'm not i don't think Art will be probably existing without collectors, but it will not be a work, probably. So uh, this is something to take into account. If I put that in other words, do you are you saying that you are ready to put higher price and pay higher price for a promising artist whose value is going to go much higher in the future? I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's what you do um, when you when you see a trend, like you know you. This is the truth in general is not only about artists or artworks, you know, when you buy a PFP and you, you're available to buy it and at 10 ETH, it's because you think it will go higher, you know, so uh, that's definitely the incentive that drives markets. And that's the same with investing in uh, cryptos and even stock market, right? So uh, that and... Uh, so, what about discovery of new artists? Mm -hmm. If you are going on trend and following or just collecting from artists who have already been successful or as you mentioned in collect collections of other collectors, how about discovery of new artists? Because that's a thing. That's a thing in gallery world in New York, New York and places in US. Uh, the galleries take pride or the collectors take pride in undiscovered artists or somebody coming in new and then they collect. So what, are, what yeah. are your views on that? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, we we buy a lot of emergent artists, you know, we we discover, let's say, a lot of them. And most of the time, the the artworks we, we buy and at an affordable price, at low price, is because we like the, the artwork. Um, we buy really often just because we like it, you know. Um, so, and about the the mean for that, it's basically what we've been discussed about Twitter through the platforms to other people sharing. Um, that's that's the main way. But uh, yeah, I'm one hundred percent sure uh, that that's important. We do that daily. We we really we really we we are you know. It happened. We were kind of attacked because of this. We someone said, "How you 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 bought this one? And you did not do the research, and you know you found that this was similar to other uh, artists or artworks." But the truth is that it would be really impossible to you know do an investigation for all the artworks we, we buy. Sometimes we buy them just because we like them, and uh, we take a risk. You know, we, we spend our own money. We <laughs> we don't spend uh, others' money. Um, and, and that's the thing, you know, sometimes you, we just like it and we, we think it, it might be successful. We, we buy, uh, emergent, uh, low, low priced artwork because we, we see some potential there. One more question for the artists and then we'll go to some rapid fire questions for you. Yep. Uh, this question is about, um, 
struggling in bear market or current times artists thinking that they should have they'll have more sales if they lower the price uh what do you think about that or this is part one part two is uh, burning their editions to make make the collection on foundation or whichever the platform is more ex- exclusive so <clears throat> yeah uh yeah this is realigned to what i mentioned uh about how you be you must be really careful you know in the, in the bear market uh lowering price is super dangerous uh you know we we have had experiences uh no collector appreciate that you know when you are you know collectors can understand but it's much more difficult they will be willing to buy your artworks in the future um in this way you know it's you 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 have to when you when you uh create new artworks and sell them uh for lower prices you have to think that someone uh invested you know put trust in your in your work uh and yeah you you are basically uh working creating based on just on your needs you know um there are different opinions on that there are you know collectors saying yeah artists should be should just do art and it's not a, it's not up to collectors to say uh the prices they should uh sell to but at the same time the truth is that artists would not be able to create artworks as a and make a living out of it if it would not be for collectors and since you know there's a name for that there's charity and uh you know i i i i don't <laughs> think i don't think uh, we should uh pretend and expect all collectors to do charity that that's not the case you know uh because w- when you are when you are i like giving... how you said that i like how you said that yeah i mean and the name for that is charity <laughs> yeah i mean you know when, when you when you are just when you are giving money and you don't expect nothing back that's the main name for it you are you're not a collector you know that that's a different thing and it's fine if you want to do it but <laughs> there's a, there's a proper name for that um so i think uh, of course crypto space is is really young so it's understandable there are different opinions and but yeah I, i'm pretty sure uh you know we should everyone should should keep in mind uh that mark the market is is the market you know uh that's how it works about the second part was how many nfts are available for sale so it's okay for you to for it to have a higher price but stay on in the collection for a longer time compared to them lowering the price and having only few nfts for sale basically yeah. they should they keep a ratio of how many uh, artists sold or unsold or if something is not sold for a longer time they just burn it or just increase the price or what Yeah. what do you think about it yeah i mean you know we we are we are speaking of trade offs here we are speaking of you are you know you can act on the price or you can act on the number of unsold artworks um of course these will be red flags for someone and, and you cannot avoid that um 
it happens to everyone. It, it happened to m many artists who have some unsold artworks. Someone managed to, you know, donating it to a museum uh, over uh, selling to a lower price. It really depends. Um, in general, it, it would be great to be able to, to avoid at that. I, I'm, I understand it's not possible for, for everyone to do it. Um, so it's really hard to, to say like, you know, a, a priority, a preference over it's better to have unsold artworks, uh, but. Um, Consistent price. Yeah, or, or reducing the price. I mean, it, it really depends. It really depends. It might be, you know, one artwork is not appreciated as uh, the others. Um, so that that's unsold. That might be fine. Um, lowering the price uh, also uh, it depends on the, the conditions. If you if you create an artwork today, you sell it at uh, five ETH, and tomorrow you create a new one and sell it at three ETH. The guy that bought at five ETH yesterday might say, "Okay, why did it? I could have bought at lower price tomorrow." So you know, it really depends. If if this happens. Like, you know, uh, considering your value based in ETH um, actually helps out with that. Um, because, of course, you know, the, the, the ETH price dropped. So uh, if, you, if you are expecting to, to sell at the same dollar price, the, the price in ETH will, will grow. So technically speaking, your, uh, your value in ETH will grow as well. So this is like, you know, Kind of a workaround for that, uh, so it depends. It really depends. There are multiple strategies for for managing this. Of course, hard times are hard <laughs> for for everyone. Uh, that's why I mentioned previously that uh, artists with uh, use background, you know, uh, solid experience working in the physical world, made it easier because they managed to work on the physical standpoint. And slowing down on, on the NFT space, there is really subject to the volatility, and this helped them out to stay really solid. You know, they didn't have to drop the price of the artworks to 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 to, to survive. Uh, so yeah, you know, this is another strategy basically. All right. So you have uh, shared amazing insights about the DAO, about the way of collecting and thinking. So let us know a bit more about who's Patrick and uh, these questions are going to be more personal. Uh, so okay. what, what, what is your background? You are an engineer. Uh, what has, what is your story? Are you in Italy? Where are you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm in Milan in Italy. I've been studying software engineering and I've been working in the crypto space for a few years. I've been working, you know, with some exchanges. I've been working with the you know, supply tracing using Iora. Uh, I've been working with smart contracts. Uh, I'm a Bitcoiner personally. Uh, I'm miner. Uh, no, I have a note, but uh, no longer mining. Unfortunately, that's too expensive. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really a supporter of the of the. I'm a cypherpunk mainly. You know, I'm a supporter of privacy, uh, all the concept that uh, created Bitcoin back in the. 1983 when the cypherpunk manifesto was, was released so uh, yeah so i i'm working 
uh, in the space because I support the ideas and also the NFTs as, as a tool can 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 provide freedom to, to some, for instance, to artists. So I really appreciate uh, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm basically a nerd. I would say uh, doing a lot of things. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm mainly passionate about uh, about cryptocurrencies, and and that's why you know I stick working uh, in this space for a long time. Are you a fan of AC Milan? Uh, I'm on the other side, actually. Okay. I'm, I, I'm a supporter of the international. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what are you curious about in future? Um... So I mean, do you mean specifically uh, about what's coming? It's a very open-end question. Okay. What are you curious about? Yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of things. I'm really keen to see how they will shape the future. First is probably you know the whole AI movement, how things like you know ChatGPT and all these. Uh, I, I studied artificial intelligence. Uh, in my background, so I'm I'm really looking to it. Also, on, on the technical standpoint, I've seen this technology to evolve super fast. So I'm really fascinated. I'm really looking all the time how crazy the things that are coming, like ChatGPT and uh, etc. So I think this will deeply change the way I, the way we work. Uh, another thing I'm super interested in too is, uh, I mean, of course, uh, how. Cryptocurrencies will be more and more used. Uh, in particular, you know, uh, the evolution of, you know, uh, from Bitcoin Latin network for payments to the whole DeFi movement on, on Ethereum and the DAOs, of course. I'm also really curious about uh, the crazy trend on biology, you know, and well, genetic engineering. I'm, I read about that. I, I also try to invest in some companies working on DNA uh, editing, you know, gene cloning. That's a huge space. I I expect that to become like the, you know, kind of the open source software movement uh, that changed the world the, from uh, 2000 onward. I expect in a few years uh, the uh, biology community you know the engineer the genetic engineering to to really change the world and hopefully the open like some some talk about uh, uh you know uh, i i don't get the word right now but yeah uh, uh hacking the body basically you know uh so that's really interesting you know, you just just at this point, I was wondering, what if there's an open source uh, medical company or something like that that would drop the prices of medicines to a very extent? Yeah, likely, likely. Yeah, there are there are already some. Uh, um, yeah, the name was Biohacker. Uh, there are already some of these biohackers uh, working for you know making mainly drug development, open source, um, and and that's a thing. Uh, yeah, medicines will probably. The truth is that I expect the uh, 
the entire healthcare model to switch to change from what it's currently is like you know this reactive system where you have um you uh you 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 get an eel um and you go to the hospital you take a drug and you uh you, you try to get better while i expect since the amount of human beings will increase you know and uh we are getting older and older and the the average uh age is increasing i expect this model to to shift to a like a prevention based model where uh we will mainly pick drugs for uh yeah prevent a number of uh, of diseases and this is you know the same that happened with vaccines i expect we will get more vaccines like you know maybe maybe uh preventing mm-hmm. a number of diseases i really expect i i i following that and this is not just me but you know really experts in the industry expect this model to to change that would be interesting just take mm-hmm. uh, vaccines so all kind of uh, me- medical issues or illnesses and you'll never have anything in the future but of yeah, course that'll yeah. that'll cost a lot <laughs> likely that's why i really hope of the open source uh, movement will thrive you know when this uh, this sector will not only be based on a few monopolistic players if the if this space will be driven by market conditions so maybe that will not be the case i really hope so because otherwise it will be really scary you know hmm it'll be interesting so i have a, i have a vaccine for cancer i can do whatever i want i won't get cancer now <laughs> uh that would be interesting thought moving to yeah. the next question name three people living or dead that you would like to have lunch with all right interesting um yeah i will say probably elon musk is one of them uh that would be really interesting um yeah i i'm i'm picking up good names here uh <laughs> yeah i they don't I mean, need to be good just pick whatever you want It's yeah i mean not... of course i would i would love to to meet satoshi nakamoto whoever he <laughs> or they are uh that that would be definitely interesting um uh yeah another one i mean i follow a huge number of visionaries that I would I would love to meet you know uh probably Ray Dalio is someone I would love to to meet with um yeah and what questions would you like to ask these three like one question if you had to ask what would you ask that's a good question <laughs> i would probably hmm That's a good question. I would probably ask uh, uh Yeah, I would probably ask uh, about, you know, which type of information they have access to. I I don't have probably. Uh, ah. I I would probably I yeah, I guess at some point there are a number of interesting things happening behind the scene. Uh I would really really interested knowing about. 
So any questions individually you would like to ask them? It can be different for different people, but so what to Elon and what to uh, Satoshi or what to Ray Dalio? Hmm. Yeah, they will be different, 100%. Uh, for Elon Musk, I think I would, I mean, if I knew I, I would have the opportunity, I would probably prepare myself to avoid a, a trivial question. But yeah, I would definitely ask about, uh, on the practical standpoint, how the first principles can be applied, you know, like uh, managing a company. You have, you know, how... It's really interesting on the you know, on the technical standpoint, but when you really have to lead companies uh, and make them that efficient, uh, yeah, you you have to be really good. Uh, probably what I will also ask him is what what he uh, how he identifies his collaborator because he has a team of close collaborators for sure. Uh, I would that definitely ask him. You know the main red flags. He identifies because I'm pretty sure he's really skilled in that. Uh, yeah, probably to Satoshi, my question will be totally different. Um, Those are great questions for Elon, by the way. I, I follow Elon yeah. big time, and I think I would also ask these questions to him because uh, engineering and uh, all these technical questions are one thing, but when you have to deal with humans and uh, yeah. who are who have their own minds and own things, it's a whole new ball game. It's not like yeah. physics, right? So. Yeah, that's very. So now you're ready. Now you know what. If Elon Musk comes to Milan, you you'll be ready with your questions. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe one one day. <laughs> okay. So what to Satoshi? What would you ask? Yeah, I mean, of course, I would I would ask for the identity. That's that's just pretty clear. <laughs> but I mean, I would. I would really interested in knowing his vision of of the future, like how he expects, you know. Uh, I mean, I would really ask uh, how, you know, his mood about the future, like how how hope hopeful he is he about. Uh, you know, because clearly he comes from the cypherpunk and you have a number of things described there. If he really thought that something like Bitcoin could uh, make the cypherpunk manifesto and dream a thing, you know, uh, a world where cryptography is, uh, is so widespread and used that can allow everyone to be free and not controlled, you know, uh, Looking at the time we are living in, we are, we are actually under surveillance, 100%. So uh, I would really interested in knowing if he thinks it can be redone. You know, if if Bitcoin is an, an utopia from someone that was really fascinated by making it happen, but uh, or he was really sure that such a thing could make that happen, I would say. I didn't know about crypto punk. I'm just I just pulled up the wiki and I'm going to read about it. Yeah. Uh, and to Satoshi, I, I I thought you were going to ask him what is your seed phrase for the Bitcoin wallet. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not sure it will provide. I mean, to um, be honest, if I, I'm, I, I would not want to know it. Mm. Uh, I think that the the biggest gift Satoshi did was to disappear. Vision. Oh, to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. To not be in the central point of failure in Bitcoin and making those mm. Bitcoins unusable. Well, I, one person, a question I would personally ask him is, uh, they talk about quantum computing and that quantum computing can uh, break away all the crypto um, world or whatever the this cypherpunk you're talking about. Uh, the coding will it can crack all kind of codings. So how would bit he he would ins? Well, uh, it depends. It depends. Not not all. We already have a number of quantum resistant algorithms. I I am not one hundred percent sure, but I think Schnorr signatures that are those currently used in, in Bitcoin. You know, they replace the ellipt elliptical cores uh, digital signature algorithm. Uh, they should already be quantum resistant on some extent. I mean, we are so far from the quantum uh, threat that probably that's not a problem. Indeed, I think Schnorr is not quantum resistant, but if that uh, will appear to be a threat for, for, for Bitcoin, we will have time to replace the signature uh, algorithm to be quantum resistant. You know, if quantum computers are, are powerful, but they, they are for specific algorithms. Uh, but if you, you know, they reduce the space of solutions, uh, but not enough. So if you have two at 256 uh, uh, options, uh, combinations, you know, for, for picking up your private key, that's too much already for, for quantum computers to, to find your private key, basically. Oh, so basically we can put another quantum computer against it. So maybe put more algorithms using a quantum computer to uh, solidify the blockchain. Yeah, I mean, pro probably we will see some interesting stuff happen there. But yeah, we are not so close to that. What question would you ask Ray Dalio? Whenever somebody says Ray Dalio, I see his video you now. The only things that come to my mind is how we are going to go to another de depression or uh, here, like he's been always predicting that there's going to be a downfall and depression very soon. Yeah. Uh, but that fails somehow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, He's actually, you know, the most successful investor uh, in history because, you know, the uh, under the Bridgewater uh, venture made managed to be successful for such a long time that, you know, clearly he understood something. I think he probably shared most of his knowledge in, in principles book, um, but still, I will be really curious about, uh, you know, probably what he will be. I mean, ma many questions uh, I would have are probably answered in, in the book. 
but still, yeah, I will be, I will be asking probably about his vision of the future and if he thinks, mm, you know, how, how long the financial market will, will, will actually keep up working and uh, probably he's the, the, the specific one I would ask about, you know, the things running behind the scenes. Like he, he, most of the, definitely most moral of the other two is the one where I would ask, yeah, you know, at, at the most high levels of financial institutions, what is, you know, what rules the world? He, he, he must be aware. That would be some good insights after, after yeah. this question. What is, what is your favorite movie? Uh, uh, yeah, I would say the Matrix. Which part? Uh, good question. Uh, <laughs> I guess when, I guess when Neo wakes up, I think you know when he discovers, uh, you know, kind of cliche, but blue pill versus red pill. Uh, and, and you know, as a Bitcoin, I really like the orange pilled memes I see all around and. I enjoyed that. Which is your favorite book? Do you read? Do you like to read books? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. Um, I mean, I have like three books on my desk. Uh, I, I I would love to to read more. I, I I'm not able, but uh, I, I would pick up multiple. Probably one of them is 1984 from George Orwell. You know. Uh, Big boss, big brother is watching. Yeah, probably that. That's one of the. I. I the, my problem is that I'm really uh, into you know technical books, so it depends. Other books I appreciate. Yeah, maybe I could pick up in a totally different area. Is like start with why from Simon Sinek. You know, is uh, definitely more into marketing things. But that book changed my my approach to business uh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, what else? Yeah. What? I, I even love the why starting with why and Simon Sinek's book. I've read that. Um, next question is what, what is the life changing advice that you have received? Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I would say one of them is stop pursuing diminishing returns. That means that at some point, uh, you know, the last, it, it gets much more effort to gain the last 10% than the 90% of something. And at some point, diminishing returns, it, it means that that effort for the last 10% is not worth. So, uh, yeah, I, I I definitely keep in mind that if at some point I see myself chasing diminishing returns, probably I should uh, do a step backward. Um, there is no free lunch is another um, one you have to really you know about this diminishing 
about so, this diminishing returns elon yeah. musk was saying one thing um, so a diminishing return on solving a technical problem like you can keep on optimizing it and if you're optimizing it too much he says you shouldn't be solving that problem at all yeah that is not the question there's something else that you need to do yeah indeed yeah that's that's about the first principles right you should like do a step back and look for smaller problems that would deeply affect the entire solution so that's why it, it usually goes with removing totally some pieces from the car that are there for legacy reasons and ends up discovering they are not that needed. yeah so the ask a different question then if you have to optimize it too much ask a different question move the part yeah. think completely differently yeah wow uh, what advice of course you're very young but what advice would you like to give to your younger self even younger self <laughs> uh really great question probably uh yeah probably learn to say no it's an important one uh you know <laughs> glad you uh, glad you didn't say no for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> no i mean but you know in particular wor- working you know when you're young it's uh, and you have the skills you you really have to be careful uh about not burn out yourself for because of you're afraid of saying no so that that would be important uh probably another one would be to you know that that's difficult because you really gain that with uh, experience and knowledge but the like move your time preference in the long term that's really important so you know really start looking in the long term as soon as possible uh what's on a bucket list next oh good good question uh i mean <laughs> i i i recently started this muay thai training oh wow so yeah i i guess so <laughs> getting better there you know learn how to fight how many ribs did you break <laughs> i mean not yours of others <laughs> uh, I mean uh, hopefully nothing just to protect myself but I mean you know I, I guess it will be really helpful for for the stress you know to yeah it's keep it under control I used to play rugby for the same reason like after doing that you don't feel like uh, fighting with anybody and it's a good stress reliever uh, yeah, this yeah. physical combat sports and just you can do it for the fun yeah uh, So yeah, the next question is what do you like to do for fun? Mm, I I play uh the bass guitar. Uh I I like to study to be honest. I like to learn a lot so I'm kind of nerdy on that standpoint. I like to read not just books but you know resources, blog experimenting, contributing to open source stuff, you know. That's something I w- I would love to do more. Uh but if I would have a lot of free time i would dedicate that on the percent to these things that's very interesting you contribute to the open source what what kind of uh, open source project are you contributing to i mean i'm not doing that that much uh the last thing i did was like uh this i contributed to a 
Bitcoin uh, node implementation uh, in Rust and language node, uh, programming language. Uh, and yeah, that that was some time ago. Unfortunately, I don't have that much time right now. I would love to, I mean, everything we do with the Poseidon DAO is open source, uh, but it's not, of course, it's not contributing to others. You know, we are building our stuff open source. Um, so yeah, I would love to do it more. You are so interesting, Patrick. We should uh, have you on a pod, uh, on um, a Twitter space just to talk about you because uh, <laughs> I should actually have asked these questions early on. Uh, but glad we had we could talk so much about Poseidon Tao. And it has been a great episode. Uh, got amazing insights uh, from you. Uh, thank you so much for to come to the show. Any parting words would you like to share with the audience? Uh, first of all, thanks for, for having me. It was a really, really pleasure. Uh, I mean, I would say, you know, just keep keep working also the, during these hard times. I know it's, it's tough, but uh, please keep uh, working and contributing to, you know, to improving the future. That's what I really would wish, um, what I would suggest in this moment. Thank you so much. And thank you, you. Thank you to the audience. Thank you for watching this till the end. You have, if you're come here, you're amazing. So, uh, to support the show, do check out links. You'll find different ways to support the show, uh, either through cryptos, NFTs or Patreon or whatever you want. You can do in via open for advertisement. If you all want to put, we can uh, put that ad in here. And, uh, thank you so much. Keep watching. Our next episode is going to be on ChatGPT. Uh, you can check out the previous episodes and do connect with Poseidon Dow on Twitter and with me and all of the people here. You can also join my Twitter spaces, which happen every Saturday. So see you there. Have a great uh, week ahead and cheers.